Well, congratulations. You're listening to another edition of Idaho Catholic Podcast. And with me again, I've got my soulmate, my bro, Deacon Pat here. We, got, we, we, we have like a, a good thing going on. Uh, two, two weeks in a row or yeah. two sessions in a row. Yeah, I think it's great. Thanks it for the good. invite. Yeah, no problem. Well, it's, you know, it's good to keep this thing going. I know it sure is fun to kind of have a sounding board and to talk about, talk about life with another authentic Catholic. Hey, I just, that just kind of rolled off my tongue there, but that's our topic today is living on, a, on a, an authentic Catholic life. Man, you know, I'm just going to throw away my notes and we'll change to this topic. How to be an authentic Catholic. How's that? Okay, that's, that's good. Let's do it. <laughs> Hey, so I, I came across this great article, and uh, I know you know about it because I just emailed it to you, what, about four minutes ago? Right. And, um, it, it's, it's a little dated. I think it came out in the late 90s. It was um, by Father John Hardin, Jesuit, yeah. um, and it's How to Be an Authentic Catholic. And um, hey, how about I share a little bit with you, Mike, and we'll just go back and, back and forth a little bit. It has... Sure points to it. This website looks like it's from the 90s too. It does, huh? <laughs> but anyway, let me let me read just this short little bit. When I say read, I know that scares some people off, but it is really, really short. Um, anyway, he starts off in this article and he says, not too many years ago, this would have been a strange title for a talk, how to be an authentic Catholic. The reason is obvious. Catholics were Catholics. They were not Protestants or Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses. But much has happened in the last 30 years or so. Nowadays, there are so many people who call themselves Catholic, but really are not. There are books published in periodicals. There are conferences given and symposiums sponsored. There are religious programs and celebrations sponsored. And all professedly Catholic. But so many of these are Catholic only in name and not in reality. And then he goes on and on. He talks a little bit about how the Pope came out, an encyclical about the splendor of truth. And uh, basically how he said that the culture that we're in now currently is uh, just flooded in errors and distorts and denies the, the church's teaching. And it has been so for so long that so many of us are really um, confused. About what does the church really believe? What does it not believe? And, uh, and he goes down and he continues by saying, what is the root of this erroneous assumptions that many of us have? He says, the root is to detach human free freedom from its essential and necessary relationship to truth. We return to our title. Um, and then he says in this, in this letter that he's returning to how to be an authentic Catholic. Mm -hmm. The answer is obvious. To be an authentic Catholic, we must know the truth, live the truth, and suffer for the truth. The truth, of course, is the teaching of Jesus Christ. So I know that was a lot. I'm going to stop reading there so I don't bore our listeners to death. But when you, Mike, when you first hear of the, the, just the title that we're using, How to Be an Authentic Catholic, what, what do you think of? You know, I, I think of, the first thing I think of that comes to my mind is the, the psych, psychological term um, cognitive dissonance. And one of the th first things we have to be true to is true to ourselves and that, um, well, I mean, first of all, for if anyone doesn't know what cognitive, cognitive, di cognitive dissonance is, it's the state of having 
inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change. So you, you're, you, know, you know how you should live. You have a certain set of beliefs, but you're not actually living those out. And so you have this incongruence between what, what you know you should do and what you actually do. And an authentic person would put those two together. They, they would be in alignment. And so I think a lot of people maybe walk the talk. I mean, um, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk, you know, because it's too hard. And what this guy is saying is you have to be authentically Catholic. So do you think the average cat, because really what we're going to get into in a few minutes is there's a lot of people out there that call themselves Catholic, but are they really Catholic? And, and here's my, here's a question for you, Mike. Do you, do you think that the majority of those people out there that are calling themselves Catholic, do, do you truly think that they know what it means to be Catholic? Because you were saying what you were just trying to explain a minute ago had to do with knowing what is right and knowing what's wrong. Do you think that they really know what is right, what it is to be a Catholic? What do you think? Well, that's, that's a great point. I mean, right now we have, for the past couple generations, we've had just terrible catechesis. And I, I've got a, a friend who she teaches, she's taught catechism for a, a long time with, with, at various parishes. And she's like, this is, we're wasting our time with these kids. She's speaking facetiously here. Right, right, right. <laughs> of course, it's not a waste of time to teach the faith. But she said, you know, the church has long taught that the primary educators of, our ch- of, the, of kids, of children, is the parents. And what we have right now is we have a, a situation where we're trying to teach these kids the faith, but their parents don't even know the faith. So it's no, not kids that, need, that really we need to focus on, but we need, to, we need to have, like, mandatory classes for the parents. But I don't know if their heart is there, to be honest. I mean, they're, they're, they're giving their kids... You know, what do they say? That parents teach um, more, more grander, more greatly through their actions than their words. But what are they doing, most of these parents? They'll make the effort to take their kids and drop them off at some faith, uh, you know, education course at the church. But then they take off. <laughs> they leave the church. Sure. Yeah. And, then, and then the parents are quite, I mean, the children are quite aware that their parents participate in nothing at the church at all. And so what's the message here? It's really important that you go and you learn about your faith and you get, you get confirmation, you get all this, but, but I'm watching you mom and dad and you do actually, you do the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And, and actually you show up, you show up at church on Sunday and actually look like a much d- different person at church than the one I know at home. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that there's some truth to that. And oh, yeah, so wh- why are so many, why are so many kids, you know, um, when they have a choice to go to church or not, they're choosing to not go to church. Yeah. They don't see that it's making a difference. Yeah. And I always, I also, I also wonder sometimes just, are we being fervent enough with our voice out in the world? You, you have these people that are on the TV, like politicians and they claim themselves to be Catholic, but, but what are they the champions of? you know, abortion, homosexuality, um, some of them even maybe euthanasia. And, and where, where is the outcry saying, how dare you use the name Catholic when you're yeah. 
spouting these things off. I don't see it. Maybe I don't watch enough news, but, um, but I really don't see it. Um, well, yeah. And can I jump in here? Sure. It reminds me of the verse. Oh man. Okay. Now I'm going to read Matthew. Okay. Matthew chapter 23. And this is that, that section of scripture. I can remember this, but Jesus is calling out the Pharisees as hypocrites. Right. Right. Pharisees. And he has this long list of, you know, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, yada, 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 yada. And, you know, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. At the very end, he says, well, this isn't quite the very end, but he says, and so just, I'm going to, I'm going to replace scribes and Pharisees here with politicians. Woe to you, politicians who claim to be Catholic. You're hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within they're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. What, what so if that, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. What would be the message if, if all of a sudden, like tomorrow, in unison, that's what we heard from, from our bishops, these politicians. Yeah. But, but what, I mean, my whole life, I really haven't heard this. At all. No. So I, I just don't understand. Every once in a while, you'll hear a little bit of, yeah, well, the church is teaching, you know, when, when Cuomo came out with this thing in New York saying, you know, sign that abort, abortion uh, bill that you could have abort, you could have an abortion up to the, mo the moment of birth, and they celebrated that. And then our sympathy to Cardinal Dolan, um, our Archbishop Cardinal Dolan, well, I forget his title, but. I think he's Cardinal, yeah, right. Cardinal Dolan, yeah, Cardinal Dolan. Okay, Car Cardinal Dolan. He was just kind of like, yeah, well, the church's teaching is that abortion is wrong, and he refused to like refuse him communion, and or even like or excommunicate him, you know. And then you've got Bishop Olmsted in Arizona, who there was a, a nun who helped a woman procure an abortion at a Catholic hospital, and he's he he flat out just said, hey. You have excommunicated yourself by participating in this grave evil. And so we need way more bishops like Bishop Olmsted of, of Arizona that are willing to call out people on, on sin, you know, because when you have a public figure who claims to be a Catholic yet promotes and actively helps um, grave evil, that person can no longer claim to be a cat. That person needs to be publicly rebuked and told to repent of their sin and kicked out of the church. Just like Paul in first Corinthians five told the man who was sleeping with his mother-in-law, um, you're excommunicated. You're out of here. You know? And then later on that guy came back. You read in second Corinthians, he came back into the church. Yeah. So, I, I'm so often I'm just, dis I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. Right. In, in then our, you've, got, you've got Jesus talking about how, you know, how do you confront people? Well, you confront them yourself, then you bring a few witnesses, then you bring them before the church if they still won't listen, and then you kick them out in the hopes of salvation, bringing them back into the, you know, in, into salvation. So, yeah. Well, I think we should pull it back a little bit and, yeah, yeah, sorry. and, and, and really return to the, our topic. Um, 
because anyway, we could keep talking forever on this. <laughs> yeah. So, so Father John Harden, he says, how to be authentic Catholic. The first point he says is to know the truth. And he says, to know the truth is to believe what the incarnate God told us about ourselves and our purpose for existence. Christ could not have been any clearer. He says, we are human beings who live here on earth for a short time in order to prepare ourselves for a heavenly eternity. Nothing in this world has any value except as a means of leading us to our heavenly destiny. We are to use our free wills to choose what Christ told us we must do and to avoid at all cost what he forbade. So I think one of the things that I liked that I just read there was that that nothing in this world has any value except as a means of leading us to our heavenly destiny. Mm-hmm. Or what do you think about the value that most people in our culture and society place on the things of this world? What do you think about that, Mike? There's a there's a, an unhealthy desire, I think, among um, Catholics to still be accepted by the world. But Jesus flat out said, "We're not going to be." Do you think that? Do you think that somehow? Um, it's hard for me to speak for men and women because I don't like I mentioned to you once before. I don't really know how women think. I only know more about. Men think, but I almost think there's there's such an insecurity in men that that they have a hesitation to stand up for what is right or wrong because they they feel too insecure in, in in their own being, and I think part of it is is to really know who you are and who you are meant to be, and 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 what God is asking of you. I think they're so wishy-washy that that they don't want to have any conflict with the world around them. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so I think one of the topic, the, one of the points here is to know the truth and to prepare ourselves for this heavenly kingdom and to be careful about the value we put on things of this world. Um, and that I, I, there's this one point I really liked in in this little bit, and it said. Um, that when it talked about how nothing in the world has any value as a means of leading us, um, has no value unless it leads us to heavenly destiny. Remember I did a retreat, a men's retreat years ago now, I think in Livermore, California, they asked me to come out and I gave this retreat and it it was pretty awesome. It was, there was like a hundred men that showed up and probably 97% of the, of the, the talks that I gave went over very, very well, but there was one section where I was talking and I was really, it wasn't even my words. I was quoting the saints and the saints said, and it was talking about your own children. And it was, if your children are not doing things that directly will, will bring them closer to God and help them gain entrance into um, the heavenly world that they're there, you should not be proud of them. And I'm paraphrasing, but it was, but, but there were so many of the guys that reacted in such a bad way. It was like they, it was almost like they were, they knew their kids had, well, there was, they, they told me many of the kids had stopped going to church. They were living these lives that were really sinful lives, um, but they were progressing in their career and they finished their college and I'm very proud of them. And so I'm, I'm, I'm reading to them some of the words of the saints that's, that's saying, if they had turned, if they have turned away from the church, 
and they are not working towards re regaining that relationship with Christ, there is nothing to be proud of. <laughs> and, oh man, I heard it for quite some time afterwards, but is it because people don't want to hear the truth? What do you think? Is it pride? Well, it's, there's a lot on the line there. And then if you know that, I mean, no, in that situation, no one likes to confront people and they, if they let it go, they won't have to confront their kids. And if you let it go, and then if you don't have to confront your kids and you don't have to confront your coworker about their sin, you don't have to evangelize your neighbors because every, everyone's okay. I don't think they wanted to hear the truth because, you know, here I am, I'm standing at a podium and there's a hundred guys out there and, 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 you know, I'm sharing this information with them <clears throat> to see the visceral reaction. And, and it wasn't a direct confrontation to anybody. No, but it was, like they didn't want to hear the truth. Um, I don't know. I think there's some cycle. You got to change. That's true. You if know, you accept the truth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I think that's really interesting. Hey, so uh, so this Father Hardin says uh, he gives another example, and he said on Mount Sinai, God gave the chosen people the Ten Commandments through Moses the prophet. When God became man. He personally taught his followers that the Ten Commandments were to be understood as he explained them. He talks about the fifth, sixth, and seventh chapters of St. Uh, Matthew's Gospel, our companion of what Jesus called the new law. But I think what was kind of interesting here is he says that, uh, for Christ had revealed the moral truths of Christianity. It is something for else for us to know. To know this truth, we must submit our minds to the divine mind of the Son of God, who became the Son of Mary. This is not easy as it may seem. We must choose to tell our minds to believe. It is easy enough to believe what is easy or pleasant or satisfying to our natural inclinations. It's hard when we are told to believe what is demanding on our human nature. What do you think about that? A command of the will. You have to will yourself to, once you know the truth, to to follow it. Yeah, is that what he just says? You must submit. We must submit our minds to the divine mind of God, and that we must choose to tell our minds to believe. So what? So I don't know the answer to this. So what? What do you think that means? We must choose to tell our minds to believe. There's a choice. Yeah, it almost kind of hints at being doers of the word and not just hearers. Yeah. Like you hear the word, you hear the truth, and you have to act on that. You can't just be. Yeah, because you can hear the truth, but then when you hear the truth, you, you still have a choice. Mm -hmm. Am I going to choose to believe that truth or am I going to use my free will? And even though I might believe it's the truth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my mind it is not. Because when you hear the truth, I remember a lawyer told me this, gosh, 30 years ago. He said when he's in court, and he says lawyers pick up on this and judges do as well. He said when you're in court and someone's speaking, if they're speaking the truth, um, you, you intuitively or instant and instantly know it because the truth has a special kind of ring to it has a special flavor to it. Mm -hmm. 
one's lying, it does not have that flavor. And I think, I think when we, people that are open to God, maybe, maybe even not open, but I don't know. Um, but anyway, when you hear the truth, I think it sounds like the truth. And then we have to make a choice. Sure. Yeah, I know. And those kind of people are, they're, 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 they, they, they know all the, the bodily tells, the body language. They, can, they, they know like when someone's saying something, but their head is shaking no. You know, that's like one huge tell because it's incongruent. Like you, you're saying one thing, but yeah, as you're saying it, you're shaking your head no. That's one tell that you're – anyways. So like <laughs> <laughs> they, they get totally used to saying it. And, and I think um, one other thing I've heard is that like, at banks, bank tellers will – they look at so much real money that they can tell fake money right away. They don't even know oh, why. They can. They just, they just like, they can tell this thing's off, you know, because they look at real money so much. And so that's how we should, you know, that's how we should be is recognizing the truth is we can, we can tell the truth and not be deceived by, by lies. But we have to, we have to know it. We have to study it. We have to dig, dig in like, like, like and be surrounded by it. Too. Yeah your friends who you choose to be with. Because when you were saying that, I was just thinking the, the, the opposite of it. What about if you surround yourself with people that aren't living in the truth? Does that mean at some point in time, it becomes hard to tell what is true and what's not? It's exactly true. Yeah. I think we know that, right? You, you kind of become who you surround yourself with. You do. And I think that's, what's difficult when, when you live in certain areas that can be, I don't want to use political terms, um, but if you live in certain areas that are maybe uh, counter-truthful in, in regards to God's truth, um, you can become so immersed in that that I think it can start affecting you in some way as well. Yeah. Hey, so let's jump into this next one. So it says the next thing, because we were just talking about knowing the truth. Now it talks about living the truth. And, uh, this Father Hardin says, uh, there is no substitute for knowing the truth that God told us to believe. But knowing this truth by faith is not enough. We must put it into practice. Um, in We must put it into practice. Authenticity in the Catholic religion is not only a matter of faith. It is also and especially living what we believe. From the dawn of Christianity, the followers of Christ found that their contemporaries did not like the moral practice of believing Christians. And he says, I will never forget the inscription etched on the stone of Pompeii. And this is really interesting. Remember, Pompeii was destroyed by volcanic eruption in the year 70 AD. And the inscription reads, and he has it here, whatever language it's in, but he then he uh, translates it. And so that inscription read, Christians must be exterminated. So for, for 300 years, the pagan world of the Roman Empire did everything in its power to destroy Christianity. This has been the history of the Catholic Church ever since. And uh, so my thought is, has the pagan world really ever stopped trying to destroy us? Or do we see it less and less now because there aren't that many fervent Catholics? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, that's it's 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 uh 
what do you call that? A uh, chicken or the egg <laughs> type of yeah, thing. yeah. Um, and, um, so he continues. He says, "I wish to be very clear. To live up to Christ's moral demands, it's not easy. Um, unselfish, sex- sexually preoccupied human nature, but that uh, is not all. To live up to the moral precepts of the Savior." is to irritate, antagonize, and arouse the oppositions of one's contemporaries. So he's saying to be an authentic Catholic means that you are, in the way that you are speaking and acting and living out your life, because this has to do with living the truth, that you should be irritating, antagonizing, and arousing the opposition. What do you think about that? I want to run away. <laughs> I want to not hear that truth. Yeah, because but it's, really just, it's, it's just rephrasing what Jesus said. The world is going to hate you. Hate. It's a strong word. I, I, all I can think of is, is that most of us in the Catholic faith have been, here's, here's my scientific term, kind of wussified. <laughs> that. Oh, my. Yeah, that up. absolutely. I mean, we don't we don't stand up for the truth. We I think we've been so indoctrinated that um, all is good, all is right, all opinions have equal merit. That that we should not say anything or correct anybody, and that that's what Father here is saying. Just the opposite. Yeah, should irritate the non-believers. Yeah, I mean, just like when Jesus said, told Pilate, um, you know, that I am the truth. And he retorts back. He's like, I got irritated Pilate. He's like, what is truth? Right, right. You know? And I think in many ways, that's what our culture is saying to us as Catholics is, what is truth? You've got your truth. I've got my truth. No one can really know. You know, we're all right. And so I think we as Catholics have gotten to the point where, well, what's the use? You know, it's like it's hard to fight the, the relativism because it's like, uh, obviously, I don't believe this. I'm not saying I believe this. I'm just saying, you know, what, what's the use? Because no one's going to, whoever you talk to, to try to explain the truth to, they're just going to say, well, that's your truth. My truth is this other thing. So here's the last element of how to be authentic Catholic. Um, Father says, you need to suffer for the truth. And what he says is, we are now in a position to answer the hardest question of how to be an authentic Catholic. To be an authentic Catholic means to pay dearly for one's loyalty to Jesus Christ. It is impossible to exaggerate. Shall I use the word expensive? It is not just to call oneself a Catholic or be considered a Catholic, but to be Catholic. And, uh, and I, think, I think that's one of the things that we're lacking in our society for people um, that call themselves Catholics. Um, I don't think we want to suffer at all. <laughs> I think we want a, a cush, really easy life. And anything, and if it, if it has to do with speaking up for my faith or having conflict with another person, I'll maybe not speak up because I don't want conflict because that will make me feel uncomfortable. (laughs) How much do you think is in that? I think you're spot on there. I think we all do that. 
Yeah, I just think here's the thing, though. So let's say we 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 read this article or we listen to this podcast and it rings of the truth. And and so what we're hearing today is that we need to know our truth. We need to live our truth and we need to suffer for our truth. Okay, I get it. I get it. Intellectually, I understand it. But what does that really mean is that I need to start making decisions knowing that uh, rightly so, I'll probably start experiencing persecution and it will probably leave right. to, lead to martyrdom. Yeah. People but, fizzle fast. Right. But then he's not saying, back up in that paragraph we read where he said you're going to antagonize, you're going to irritate. Um, that's not licensed to be a jerk. You know, no. it, it kind of sounds like, I mean, I think a lot of people might think what we're saying is, see, I told you Catholics, they're all just jerks. They, they want it. They want to antagonize us. But that's not true at all. It's just a matter of when you see sin, when you see error, we need to speak up. And of course, we're told and we should always be uh, do this in love. An absolute love, and it's not not something we go out and like. Okay, who can I irritate today? It's more of an attitude that we should have of who can I instruct today? Who can I show the truth to today? I I agree with that, but the problem I think is you could you could have the kindest intentions, the most loving intentions, but if you speak up against homosexuality or or against abortion. Um, it's immediately categorized as hate speech. It is. It's crazy. So, so I, I, I don't, I don't think that in the current culture that we're in now, I think it'd be very difficult to stand up to the culture, even in the most kindest, loving way, and not really be just discriminated and attacked. Um, I, you see it all the time. Even even some of these bakers out there that say they don't want to make a, a wedding cake for a gay couple. Right. They, they can do it in the most nicest way, and they are brutally attacked for that. And yep. They're hunted down. You know, I think that they're actually hunted down by people who want to make make us suffer. I think they do. They, they go out of the way to really right. attack Christians. Right. It's like, oh, this guy's a Christian. Oh, I'm going to ask him to bake my cake for my. In fact, I didn't want to marry you, but let's just get married so we can. No. Who knows? There might be some truth in there. there. But, but no, I, it, it always just seems like what is going on here where, you know, I mean, how many bakers are in the town? Why do you have to pick on that one? You know? I know. Why don't you just go to. Because there's some, there's some sense of entitlement. And, um, and yeah. it's, it's somehow it's okay to attack Christians and Catholics, especially, but okay, let's, let's, let me play devil's advocate here. What if it's them, they have this truth that they believe in and they're willing to go share it with others and they want to eradicate error and they view that baker as in a grave error. And so, Hey, we've got to get these people out of our society because they are, they have, they don't. They have incorrect beliefs because they, they pray too fervently, (laughs) (laughs) but then we come back to what is the truth again? Yeah. So, so that was our very first topic is to know the truth. 
And, and really what was, the, what was the quote is that we're human beings who live here on earth for a short time in order to prepare ourselves for the heavenly eternity. Nothing in this world has any value except as means of leading us to our heavenly destiny. We are to use our free wills to choose what Christ told us we must do and avoid at all costs what he forbade. So really, truth is Jesus Christ. Truth is God. If you don't believe in God, then you don't have the truth. Mm-hmm. Now, someone could, and a lot of people can put any different kind of spin on different things. But we know as Christians, we've been exposed to the truth which is Jesus Christ, and then, which is God, and who came to this world and actually taught us firsthand what truth is all about. Yeah. And established a church to maintain and teach and profess that truth. So I was going to, so I'm almost to the very end of this article, and I skipped a couple of things, but um, one, of the, one of the last things that he talks about is that um, he talks about the Holy Father, and he asked how this uh, martyrdom is a witness for both God's holiness and men's personal dignity. And he answers, uh, martyrdom witnesses to God's holiness by testifying to the grace that God gives the martyr. I think we forget that sometimes. You know, we don't, many of us, um, you know, in a, in a heroic way, we might think, yeah, we would be a martyr, but we really don't want to be because martyr sounds like it would hurt. But I think we forget the grace that's given to martyrs who are truly trying to live their faith. And if you are attacked, um, that, that God will take care of us. So I think, I think we forget that. Yeah. The, the martyrdom I think you talked about here is just suffering on this earth. I mean, martyrdom by blood, by being put to death, that, that, that's like, you know, straight to heaven. That's, that's awesome. Um, we we can say that intellectually, but thinking about what that actually means to be a martyr, and I think we can get so wrapped up. I think we've been so conditioned to, well, but I don't want to leave this earth. I have all these things on this earth, and and I'm connected yeah. to people in these relationships, and what about all my plans and all this? Um, we're putting more weight and and more, I think, focus on the world we're in now, and not the heavenly world. Yes. yes. How do we do that, though? How do we change that mindset? Think about heaven every day. I, when I was at, well, I haven't done this in a while, but it just reminded me of something I used to do back in my in my teenage years, maybe my twenties. I did this a little bit, but I would imagine going to heaven, and I would try to work up a feeling of that the feeling that you had. I used to think about how when I was a kid, really young, I would get so excited looking forward to Christmas. Like, boy, that was like the best thing ever was going, you know, oh, Christmas morning, opening up my presents, right? And I would just be so excited to go open up my presents. And I would think, okay, I need to have that kind of feeling and thinking about heaven. And because just like, I never thought it would come to pass, but finally Christmas rolled around and I got to open up my presents. Well, one day it's going to come to pass and I am actually going to be in heaven, God willing. One day that is going to pass. That is going to happen. That's, I mean, it, it's seriously going to happen. Just like when I was a kid and I didn't think Christmas was ever going to come around. Well, as an adult now, 
heaven is going to come around. Uh, it's just like, wow, trip on that for a little bit. What else in this life is, is worth losing heaven for? Nothing. And I think it's really important to have people around us that will inspire us and kind of redirect our thoughts that way. Because every once in a while, and you guys probably know, um, you know, these kind of people that you spend a little bit of time with them and it helps redirect your thoughts a little bit about, what, you know, who you are as a Catholic or, or, or what is your journey like? And, and just like where you were um, really speaking inspirationally about that, that what the encounter is going to be like at heaven. I think we need to have those conversations because I think those conversations help fill our mind with our thoughts that, that then affect our behaviors. Um, but, but so the question is, are we really surrounding ourselves with, with good, you know, holy, godly people that want to grow in their faith and will talk about their faith? We have none of that in our lives. I think that's really important too. Yeah. Now you get the average of the five people you hang around with most. So, so anyone listening to this podcast should be thinking right now, who, who, look, who are the five people you hang around with and do you think they're going to be in heaven? Because <laughs> if they're not. By the fruit of their lives. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, so he ends this article with something that you were just talking about because you were making the distinction about the different kinds of martyrdom. Yeah. And he said, uh, the vicar of Christ finally asked if there is such thing as a living martyrdom. And he answers without qualification. Yes, we are living martyrs when we love the difficulties of this world for the sake of eternal rewards. So we can be living martyrs when we love our difficulties that we're encountered with in this world for the sake of the eternal rewards. And, you know, I forget who it was, if it was St. Teresa of Avila, I, I, I think it was. And she was talking about that she finally came to a point that when God gave her difficulties in her life, she didn't respond in a negative way, but she was very thankful because she knew that that difficulty that she was dealing with right then, that God had found her worthy enough to suffer through that difficulty to grow closer to him. Mm -hmm. If we could embrace that, that idea that we are living martyrs, we are, we are authentically Catholic, and we're living martyrs, and that when God gives us these difficult things, these hurdles, these struggles, these encounters in our life, that we should be thankful because God has found us worthy because he won't give us anything more than we can handle. That's, all, that's already a promise given to us. But so that given us this thing that seems insurmountable. He has found us worthy to, to suffer for him for the eternal rewards that we will gain, growth in virtue, and really paving our way towards entrance into heaven and all eternity. So with that mindset, I think it could help us tremendously because we all suffer in our life. But how do we choose? Remember telling our mind how we're going to react? How do we choose to react to those suffering episodes? Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. Okay, so we figured it out. I think we're authentically Catholic now. I know I am. Oh, but I guess we have to put it into practice, right? You can't oh. talk about it? <laughs> it's a daily struggle, let me tell you. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, yeah. Suffering, when, when our Lord suffered, 
on the cross, he, when he was suffering, when the soldiers were telling him to carry his cross, carry his own instrument of death, he, he was unable to do it. He was unable to complete it. And so that he had to get help from Simon of Cyrene. So as we are, in, of course, Simon of Cyrene, as our regular listeners would know, is our patron saint here at Idol Catholic Podcast. So we ask him to pray for us as we carry our crosses and suffer through. So congratulations, folks. You have successfully listened to another edition of Idaho Catholic Podcast. I hope you feel blessed and encouraged on your way and that as Paul is able to say, follow me as I follow Christ, that we would be able to say that to those around us, to the five people around us, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. Amen.